Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. All right, so I wonder if you've ever had a moment in your life where it, it just a specific moment where it was a life-changing moment. And maybe you knew it at the time that it was, it was a life-changing moment. Maybe you look back on it now a long time ago, from, from a long time ago, and you're thinking, man, that, maybe that conversation was a difference maker. Maybe it was something that did or didn't happen. Maybe it was a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I think about one of the one of the moments of my life that I, I can look back on and go, that was a life-changing moment. It happened uh, right in that time where I was thinking about where to go to college. And I'm telling you, that it's one of the worst times in the life of a, of a young person because at a time where you're not allowed to do a lot of things in life, you're not allowed, they, we, don't, we tell you, you don't know enough in your life to be able to determine what you should do regarding alcohol, but we're telling you, you should know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And it's just kind of a crazy, stressful time for a kid. Um, and so I remember it was my senior year of high school, and I'm trying to decide, okay, what do I want to go do with my life? Um, now, here's the thing. I knew what I wanted to do after year one of college. I, w- I knew that I was going to go to North Central University f- to go get a pastoral degree, um, but in that year in between high school and that second year of college, I wanted to go somewhere where I would get some education a little bit cheaper. I wanted to go to a state school for a little bit and get some, some of those gen eds taken care of. And so I was thinking, okay, what, do I, what am I going to do? And there was, one, there was one option. That option was Crystal, who I'd been dating for about a year. She was going to UW Lacrosse, And I'm like, sounds like a great place to go. I, I don't know why, but it just sounds like a really good idea. And then the other option was, uh, like the summer before my senior year, there was a, a basketball coach from a little tiny community college, UW Marathon County. It's in Wausau. And there's a bunch of guys that I'd played basketball with that had gone from my high school and gone and played there for a couple years. And this guy came up to me, and he's like, hey, you're really short, but I kind of want you to come play. And I was like, hey, that sounds intriguing. And so these two things, they were kind of in my brain. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And and I remember specifically the conversation that kind of changed it all for me. I was in the weight room. (laughs) I know, shocking. Okay, in the weight room after practice, uh, my senior year, like maybe early to mid part of the basketball season, and I'm at the bench press. I literally remember exactly where it was. I'm at the bench press. I'm sure I was impressing all the guys with the, the, the amount of weight I was putting up on the bench that day, and my coach, his name is Coach Voigt, he comes and he starts talking to me. He's like, hey, what you thinking about next year? I'm like, well, you're pulling out the big question there, coach. And so I start telling him, like, well, there's this, you know, the, the coach at UWMC, he's been talking to me. I'm, that's kind of intriguing. I, I like the idea of going and playing some basketball. And it's like he could sense that that's not what I wanted to do. And, and so he's like, yeah, and then what? I'm like, okay, here's what I really want to do. I really want to go to UW Lacrosse. Uh, there's a girl there that I really like. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and I, there's, but there was something in me. He's like, well, what, what's, what's holding you back? I'm like, I just don't want her mom and dad to think that I'm going there just for her. Or, and I didn't want anybody else to think that because I, I want everybody to like me. And so he, he, he looks at me and he's like, and I remember the words exactly the way they came out of his mouth. He goes, who cares what anybody else thinks? And I was like, 
yeah, that's super smart, coach. And I'm not going to lie, I walked away from that weight room that night. I walked out of the weight room doors, and I knew where I was going to go to college for my first year of college. There was, some, there was wisdom. I, I, respect it. I respect my coach still to this day. I still call him every now and then. He's a guy I respect. And the fact that he said that. Now, here's the thing. I found out later he was not very objective in this conversation. He pretty much has told me since then, he's like, you weren't going to do any better than her. So, like, I'm gonna, I was going to push you towards, like, she was the catch for you. So, just so you know. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm glad for that conversation because I think about what, what if I had done something different? What if I had gone just to go play basketball for that year? Like, there's maybe a better chance that Crystal and I don't get married. And, and so for that one year of, of college basketball, maybe I would have missed something that would have been great for the rest of my life. And I'm glad that that conversation changed the way that I was thinking. Now, what's that story got to do with today's message? See, we're starting this new series, Jesus Changes Everything. And I believe that one encounter with Jesus can change everything. You have the right encounter with Jesus. And here's the thing. A lot of people have had the wrong encounter with church, right? And that one wrong encounter with church has changed everything for them the way they see Jesus. But I believe you have that one encounter with Jesus, it can change everything. And we're actually going to look at a story today. I think it's one of my favorite, favorite stories in the entire uh, Bible. I think that it shows the grace of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. It shows everything in this story that we need to see. And this conversation that Jesus has, it changes everything. What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Love this story. And so uh, we're going to get into it from John chapter 4. And I'm just going to pick up right away in verse 3. It says this. Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, and when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now I found out something kind of interesting about this, this passage. I, I never really knew this before. But this well, scholars actually think that this well is about 135 feet deep. That is like 13 stories deep, this well is. That's a, that's a really deep well, I feel like. Man, maybe all wells are that deep, but this is, this is deep. And so I wonder how many times do people have to go to this well and, and get water out of this well and then take it back and then come back for more. It's a, it's a hard process. And I got to thinking, how much do I waste water in my life? Some of you have kids, and they take showers, and it feels like the whole thing is a waste. Not just because they waste the water and they're in there too long, but they get out and then they're dirty in four seconds. But there's a, I waste so much water. I, I have a water bottle, like, all the time with me, and I try, to, I try to stay hydrated, okay? But I have this weird thing in me. I put the, I put the ice cubes in, and then I put the, the water in, and, and if I let it sit too long and the ice cubes melt... I don't want that water anymore. I don't know what it's... So part of it might be because the ice cubes come from the, the fridge and then our water comes from this nice filter, filtered system, whatever. It's also just because I'm weird. And I, I dump the water out all the time. And so this morning, happened again. All the ice is out of my water bottle. And so I, I go to the sink, I dump it out. And I'm sitting there like, I waste a lot of water. And I'm thinking if I had to go to a well every single day and go put this put this bucket in the well, and then hoist it back up 13 stories. I don't think I'm wasting much water probably, right? 
Like water to this woman, it is so precious. It's so important to her. In the story, this woman is not focused on Jesus. This woman is focused completely on the water when she gets to that well. She probably barely notices Jesus. But Jesus wants water, but his passion is to connect with this woman who is hurting. I think that the human part of Jesus was probably thirsty. And so he, as he's asking her for water, he probably really does want water. But there's a, something in Jesus in this moment where his passion for her is coming out more than anything else. He sees that she's hurting. He wants to talk to her. And so it brings up the question, why is Jesus and the Samaritan woman, why are they the only two people at this well? Actually, if you look at the very next verse, it talks about how Jesus' disciples, they had gone into town to get some food. So that's why his buddies aren't there. But this, this well serves a whole town. Why are there no other people at this well at this time? Well, it also said it was at high noon that, that, they, were at, that they were there. So you think about it, at high noon, that's, that's going to be the warmest time of the day. People, if they come and they get water at that time of the day, it's going to feel like a lot of work. In fact, it's probably going to be so tiring that by the time you get home with your water, you've drunk the whole thing because you're totally thirsty from the heat. And so this woman is the only person at the well at this time. But then why is she here? Why this lady? If the rest of the town doesn't come out at this time, why is this lady here? I'm going to give it away a little bit, but I think it's because she's a little bit of an outcast, okay? And the story goes on like this, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I really like this question that this woman asks because it shows what is going on in her mind at this moment. Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan women. Jewish men didn't talk to Samaritan men. Uh, we, we don't really understand the disconnect between Jewish people and Samaritan people, but enough of us have an understanding of the disconnect between white people and black people in early America. And if you think about it that way, that's probably about the closest thing that we could think to it. That there is this disconnect that, man, these, these Jews and the Samaritans, they wouldn't even talk to each other let alone a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. And so this was, this was completely out of the blue for her. But I want you to also understand, she's, she's an outcast in her own town. There are people in her own town who don't even talk to her. And then it goes on, Jesus says this in verse 10. He answers her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, this right here, this is the passion of Jesus that we're talking about today. I love how he got into a conversation with her so that he could point her to him as, as the one who was going to be her savior. That's what he was trying to do in this conversation. He's doing something really, really uncomfortable, though, in, in doing this. It's almost scandalous to her that he's even talking to her. But Jesus wouldn't think of not doing that. Jesus wouldn't think of not doing the uncomfortable, the uncommon thing in order to let his passion come out to the people around him. Um, you've probably seen people do uncomfortable things before uh, where their passion just kind of wells up in them and they do stuff that they shouldn't do. I was at track practice uh, in the spring and I was, there was three girls that came to practice. They were actually college kids. They used to be on the track team and they were home for the weekend and so they came to run with run with the track team, and I knew one of the kids because she had come to youth group. 
And so I'm sitting down, we're stretching, I think, after the run. And I'm talking to this girl. And all of a sudden, this junior in high school, this boy on the track team walks over to us. And immediately, I think the Holy Spirit welled up in me and I got uncomfortable. I knew something bad was about to happen. Like, it was, it was immediately uncomfortable. And the moment he opened his mouth, I was like, I can't believe you just said that. He walks over, and pretty sure his shirt was off because he had just run, and that's what he did. And he walks over, and he's like, so uh, which of you girls want to go on a date with me this weekend? And I almost died. Like, right in that moment, almost died. And didn't even know... I don't know, I don't like have a lack for words very often, but in that moment I was like, couldn't couldn't hold myself. It was awful. And I looked at these girls' faces and they thought it was as bad as I thought it was. Um, Super uncomfortable. But here's the thing. The kid didn't actually have a passion to go on a date with these girls. His dumb teammates had told him to go and do it. And so this passion welled up within him to do something really stupid, really uncommon, really uncomfortable. And see, passion, whether it's ill-conceived or it's totally appropriate passion, it can get us to approach people in unexpected ways. And the passion of Jesus causes him to seek you out and to find you in the places that you would least expect it. I love that. The passion of Jesus causes him to seek you out and find you in ways and places that you would not expect it. I don't know, I'm sure that you've felt it before, a moment where God got a hold of you in a time where you're like, I didn't see that coming. Um, even at, I was at my daughter's last cross-country meet last, last week, and something came over me when she got to the end of her run. I'm going to sound like kind of a fool right now, but I got choked up, okay? She got done running, and you might be like, well, that's not a God moment. To me, it was kind of a God moment. I, I saw, it was like this, looking at the last year of her life and seeing that God has grown her and all this stuff, and it was like, I just got emotional. And I, was, and I came over to her, and she's like, Dad, you're crying. I'm No, I'm misty. There's a total difference. It's misty eyes. Come on. God gets a hold of us in weird times. There was, I was reading a story this week about a, a girl. She, was, um, she got off of work. Uh, she was working at a, at a restaurant, and she got off work, and as she's walking home, she started to feel like somebody was, was following her and chasing her. And so she started to take off running. And as she's running, she hears a voice that tells her, eat the chicken. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing as you, right? Eat the chicken. What, what in the world? Why am I hearing this voice, eat the chicken? And it, it, she hears it enough that finally she stops. She takes, out, she takes the bag of, of leftover food that she had gotten from the restaurant that night. And there's chicken in there. And she takes out and she opens it up. And two dogs come close to her. And they, eventually they just they safely follow her the way home and keep the, the people that were following her off her back. And you, you could be like, okay, eat the chicken. That sounds really weird. I think it probably sounded just about as weird as Jesus coming and talking to this woman at the well and and opening up his mouth and talking to her. And she's like, what are you doing? But God's passion for us calls out to us in times where we wouldn't always expect it. And that's what happened in this story. And so the story goes on. Verse 11, it says, she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never be thirsty. 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, the woman doesn't really get what Jesus is saying, right? Like, she thinks that he is some crazy scientist from Gatorade, and he's, he's made up this new water that's just going to last forever. That's obviously not what he's trying to say. He's not saying that he's got something for her physical life. He's got something for her spiritual life, something that she could not get anywhere else. It's this passion that's welling up in Jesus. He wants her to have life. She hasn't quite figured it out. She thinks that Jesus is a, like a salesman trying to sell her on something that can be good for her physically. She hasn't figured it out. And so then Jesus tells her this in verse 16. He says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. That's, so this is where the light bulb kind of finally dawns for this woman, right? But what has she experienced? The word is abandonment. This woman has experienced abandonment throughout her life. Complete abandonment. If you and I read this simply with our own culture in mind, we're actually not going to understand uh, the, the conversation that's going on here with Jesus and this woman. You see, when I... <laughs> When I read this with my understanding of our culture in mind, I read that she had five husbands and now she's living with a sixth one who's not her husband, and I think of her as, oh, she's promiscuous. Oh, she can't hold a relationship. Oh, she, she just jumps from guy to guy to guy to guy. But that's actually probably not completely accurate. And I think Jesus knows it. You see, in truth, in her culture, a woman wasn't actually even afforded the right to divorce her husband. That was completely on the man. She didn't have autonomy over her life like we see women have in 2022 America. She wasn't allowed to divorce her, her husband. And so that means that five different times she has been married and that guy has abandoned her. She had absolutely no control over this. Now on top of that, she wasn't afforded the opportunity to have an education like women today do. She didn't have education, so if she didn't have a husband, she didn't have the opportunity herself to go and make a living for herself. And so you find this situation where every single time that she is divorced, she now sees herself as, how am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? How am I going to get by? How am I going to have my daily needs met? And it's terrifying for her. Notice Jesus didn't just say that that. She was divorced five times and is now living with this sixth man and that, she, that he was judging her over this and that she's an awful woman for that. He just stated, matter of fact, what was going on in her life. Here's the thing. We don't know why this woman was divorced five times. We don't know why five guys all said, I'm done with you. Now, I think we can speculate as to what might have been the reasons for that. I think that the most likely scenario in this is she was probably a barren woman. She probably wasn't able to have children. And in this culture, that was, that was like the biggest stigma that you could have on a woman. And so if she couldn't have a child, then her husband was not going to be able to have an heir to pass on his, his lineage to. 
And so a lot of times what happened is these guys would just discard these women. And so five men marry her, and all five find her disposable. Whether it's her inability to bear children or if it's something else. And so each time, I can just imagine the fear that grips her. Each time she's going, how am I even going to survive? And you can imagine then that the very next person, the very next guy who would show some interest in her, she's probably going to say, okay, this is what I'm resigned to. And she goes and she gets married to this next guy. And that guy does the same thing that the last guy did. Till finally, everybody has abandoned her in her town so much that everybody knows that she is absolutely unlovable. But then there's one guy who says, well, you're good enough for my needs. Probably his only needs were physical needs. And so he takes her in, but he doesn't take her in as, as a wife. All he does is he takes her in to be a live-in girlfriend. And you can imagine now what this woman is going through, that every day she feels that she has to live. This, this seems a lot like slavery of, of sorts. That she's having to live with this guy probably doing things that she doesn't want to have to be able to do just so that she can survive from day to day to day to day. Now you can imagine a little bit more the kind of grace and compassion that Jesus has for this woman. That she's not just a promiscuous woman, probably. But do you believe that she believes that this setup with this sixth man is going to last forever? Again, all she's known is abandonment. And so she's thinking, man, this is, I'm just, I got to stay in this until until I can't anymore. And then my life is probably over. Under that context, this woman comes to the well and Jesus is offering her life. He's offering her life from water that will give her life unending. And she probably thinks that her life is very, very close to the end. I can't imagine what's going through her mind when she starts to finally figure out what it is that Jesus is offering her. Jesus had passion for her. When nobody else cared about her, when nobody else gave anything about her life, he wanted her to experience life. Remember, she was there at noon when nobody else would come out there. She had given up on people. She didn't want to be around people. She just, she wanted to be left alone. But Jesus showed her something else. And this is what I love happens at the end of this story. In John 4, starting in verse 28, here's what happens with this woman. It says, Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out from the town, and they made their way toward him. Does anybody else see this part of the story as being a little bit out of place? you got a woman who has wanted to give up on the entire town. You've got a town that has given up on this woman. And the first thing that she does when she realizes the life that Jesus has to offer her, she goes and she runs to the town to tell them what's going on. What's even crazier to me is that they listen to her. This woman who has been discarded by everybody, all of a sudden they're like, man, she's got something to offer. There is something that makes us need to follow her right now. I think it's crazy that they actually went with her. I want you to see what happened to this woman because I think it's the very thing that happens to every one of us when we actually have an encounter with Jesus. When we actually have a true encounter with Jesus, our Savior, this is what happens. The passion of Jesus for her 
became her passion for the very people who had let her down for so long. The passion that Jesus had for this woman all of a sudden became her passion for the people who had let her down. I'm telling you if, you, if you want to have a, have a change in your attitude and your heart for the people around you, you've been hurt, you've been abandoned, you've been discarded, an encounter with Jesus can actually be the thing that changes how we look at people. This woman didn't need to go and tell the people uh, what had happened at this city well. And they'd been awful to her. They hadn't treated her like a sister. The whole town had done her wrong. And yet, still, when she saw this passion of Jesus, the only thing that she could think to do was go into the town and tell everybody. Until she met Jesus, the woman at the well had one thing in mind. She focused on getting what she needed to survive the day. I wonder how many of us, all we do is we focus on what we need to survive the day. I don't see the people around me because I am so concentrated on surviving. I am in survival mode. Survival mode hurts. Survival mode stinks. And when she got to the well, she looked right past Jesus when she first got there. In fact, I think if she did notice Jesus, there probably was this thing that went in her head uh, when she saw Jesus sitting at this well, she probably had it like, oh man, why has this guy got to be here? I just wanted to be alone. It's a little bit what happens anytime I get a phone call. <laughs> oh, why do I have to pick up a phone right now? That's the introverted side of me. Okay, guys. Um, it's like going to the store. I, I'm sure you've been there before. You see somebody you know, and you're like, if I just don't make eye contact, I don't have to have a conversation, right? All the introverts were like, amen. The extroverts were like, you guys are mean. Just talk to us. The woman at the well had been so focused on her daily needs for such a long time that she had lost her passion for what mattered most. She had lost her passion for other people. And oftentimes that's what happens to us when we've been hurt. Uh, when we're hurting, we stop seeing people and we only see survival. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. You've got so much hurt, so much anxiety, so much stress that you have stopped seeing the people around you and you are just going into survival mode. And I'm telling you, I don't believe that survival mode is the place that Jesus wants us to be at. I think he wants us to get past survival mode into that place where we see people. Jesus took the time to talk to this woman. This was not common. Remember, Jesus was a Jewish man. And he took time to talk to this Samaritan woman. Yes, she needed water to live, but Jesus knew he had a water for her that was different. A water for her that could last. A water for her that could last when this sixth man undoubtedly probably sent her packing. He had something for her. But she needed what Jesus had to give more than anything. See, I believe that Jesus changes everything. I think for this woman, this encounter with Jesus, it changed everything. She didn't need everything day, everything, everyday things like water and, and a place to lay her head and, and a shelter, quite like she needed Jesus. And I think sometimes what happens is we get into the place of life where we're in survival mode and we actually believe ourselves and we tell ourselves that there's things I need in life that are, are more important than my need for Jesus. I need 
I need to, to focus on my job and we need to get money because we got to be able to take care of stuff and, and I need that more than I need a connection with Jesus right now. But the truth is, is Jesus is at the well with us right now and he's saying, there's nothing you need more than me. Maybe the things that you're trying to survive are, are those physical needs. You're looking after your physical needs and you're not going for your spiritual needs. You're not even attending to them. Maybe you've thrown in the towel with some relationships because it just seems like there's no hope on those relationships. You don't see any point in opening up because you've been hurt so many times. Or like I've said, you've prioritized your job because it's the one thing that seems to give you the value that you feel like you, you need to have. But I want to ask you this this morning. If you turned your focus completely over to Jesus, what in your life would change? If it no longer was about survival mode, and it no longer was about all these different things that you're going after and you need, and you started to put your focus on Jesus, that Jesus was the one thing that you needed, how would your life change? How would your stress change? What would change in your relationships? Would you start to find a passion for people that you've lost your passion for? I think there's a whole world of people out there living in survival mode. I think, I think all of us have people in our lives that we know that are in survival mode right now. And I believe that there's two ways we can look at this passage. I believe one of the ways that we can look at this passage is we can look at it and see, you know what, I'm the person at the well right now that Jesus is talking to and I'm in survival mode and I need help. I need something more than just my everyday needs being met. I need Jesus. Some of you are in that place, but then there's some of you that are, are in the other boat. You're saying, I see people in my life who they need Jesus. I need to become the woman at the well whose, whose spiritual needs have actually been met. And now I go into the town and I tell people about that Jesus. I tell people about the passion of Jesus and what he's done for me. Truth is, is we probably all fit in both of those areas. I know I fit in both those areas. So my question for you this morning is, where do you fit? Do you need Jesus to show you his passion to get out of survival mode and to live with Jesus? Or do you need Jesus to do something in your life that changes the way that you want to talk about Jesus to other people? Why don't you pray with me? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.